Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today joined by Dave Prentice and Sam Carroll as we chew the fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park and the fat, of course, has an Italian flavour, <laughs> Carlo Ancelotti, <laughs> appointed Everton's new manager on Saturday before the game with Arsenal. And he held his first press conference as Blues boss today at Goodison uh, Monday morning. And of course, we'll take charge of the team on Boxing Day when Burnley are the visitors. And so we've got around the uh, podcast table to reflect on first impressions of Ancelotti and discuss what lies ahead. Um you were both obviously both at the press conference with me. Pran, I'll start with you. As I say, what were your first impressions of, of seeing Mr. Ancelotti in the flesh and Mr. Ancelotti uh, as an Everton manager? Thrilled uh, to see him actually in situ. Um, if there was like a, a big three, if you like, of uh, you know some managers out there at the moment that you know you would look at Everton to have identified and maybe brought in, you would say Pochettino, you know, because uh, you know it seems to be you know the, the big flavour of the month at the moment. Jose Mourinho which obviously was not going to happen given uh, his circumstances, and Carlo Ancelotti. And um, it, it seemed to be like an aspiration that was a little bit out of reach at times. And, you know, so judging by some of the common pieces we read last week, uh, that, you know, Everton should almost be criticised for daring to, to think that big and to, you know, sort of dream of attracting a coach like that. So fair play uh, to the Blues board for doing that, uh, for selling um, Everton to him. I mean, this is a manager who's gone down in history as one of only three to have won, you know, so three Champions Leagues. He's won everything out there. He's an absolute elite-level manager. So it was, you know, first class to actually get him in in the first place. And to see him sat there today very calmly and very, you know, some measured tones uh, explaining, you know, so what he intends to do. It was just, it, it was exciting. Um, exciting, but strange in that he's not a very demonstrative person. You know, you know, for a man with, you know, sort of Latin blood, he's a very, very measured individual and he was never going to give anything away today I mean uh, he's far too long in the tooth for that uh, but it was just reassuring to see him sat there uh, as Everton manager discussing getting into the uh, the players and preparing them for a game against Burnley on Boxing Day um, Sam as I say you were there also um, when you had the opportunity to put your head up from your laptop as you were typing away furiously did, what did you make of of seeing Ancelotti uh, sat there on the top table and, and talking about all things Everton Surreal, isn't it? And, and uh, quite surreal to be sat here in 2019, almost 2020, with Carlo Ancelotti answering questions as the Everton manager on Zlatan Ibrahimovic yeah. transfer rumours. It was almost like some kind of <coughs> glitched version of FIFA or, or football manager or something like that, wasn't it? And I think even a few weeks ago, Prenner, when we were kind of asked to pick our dream Everton manager, and I think you went for Simeone and you know, we were, we were kind of ruminating on it. And I think, although he was still Napoli manager at this point, so it didn't quite come into our thinking. I still think... I even though we I mentioned Ancelotti picked, in my piece. I'm just going to throw that out there. Even though you, <laughs> could, you could have picked yeah. anyone, I still think Ancelotti still felt even yeah. too... too uh, Not too big, but still just just too much of an, an out-there kind of name to, to possibly attract. And, and, and everything that kind of 
from this season on the pitch, it's it's felt at times, especially under Silva, like everything that kind of could have went could have went against us has. But in the kind of chase for Ancelotti, he's almost fell into our hands a little bit, hasn't he? And, and everything that could have went for us in terms of his sacking, and you know, it looks like we we, we kind of the the rumblings from Italy were that he wanted to take a break, but you know, we contacted him and and, and kind of sold him a bit of a a project which he which he did speak about today at the press conference. So. Yeah, just a such a, a strange kind of feeling to see Carlo Ancelotti with the um, with the Everton shirt. I think wasn't it? And, and as Farhad Mashiri pointed out today, you know our last hires have been Wigan, Southampton, Watford. You know Sam Allardyce as well uh, mixed in there. So to have a three-time Champions League winner by Munich, Real Madrid, a, a historic name in football to be the Everton manager in, in the Goodison dugout against Burnley on Boxing Day. Is for for someone my age just so exciting and and as Preno said very very impressive very measured, you know again as Preno said too 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 long in the tooth I don't think to have came out and started firing shots or or playing games this early but you know it's still good to see and I think it's just going to be so interesting to kind of see, you know I spoke to Michael Ball for this echo column earlier and you know even even kind of what he was saying he worked with Gus Hiddink at PSV and. Just, just when you think about the effect that's going to have on that dressing room, because how can you not listen to Carlo Ancelotti? How can you not want to mm. eat every little bit of kind of football knowledge that he, he he's got? Ah, how how can you not want to run through brick walls for him? You know, it's it's Carlo Ancelotti. I'll I'll do anything for him. Just <laughs> let me know. It's as it should be as well. I mean, uh, this is the kind of ambition that Everton Football Club should be showing. Um, you say, you know, so a man, man of your age, you know, so seeing somebody like Ancelotti in the dugouts. But Everton, you know, in the sadly it's distant past now, you know, so we're one of the big names in English football and we're always routinely linked with the top managers when they were available, the top players when they were available. And the last 20 years or so, 25 years, you know, we, we've slipped gradually away from that. Um, it was quite heartwarming to actually, A, see a manager of his stature, you know, so unveiled today. But equally, see some of the questions or hear some of the questions that were being thrown towards him. Like, you know, is that an Ibrahimovic? You know, so you're going to be bringing him into Goodison. Now, okay, Ibrahimovic is a little bit past his best now. You know, he's, um, you know, sort of winding down his career, but he's still a huge name in world football. And Everton should be linked with, like, you know, huge names in world football. And so it's good to see that, you know, sort of level of ambition, you know, going back in the right direction again. Was there anything in particular? Was there a soundbite or, or a quote that, that, that really resonated with you? <laughs> well, one I raised, I, I smiled about. Did you, um, say, did you raise a, an Ancelotti eyebrow? An Ancelotti eyebrow, yeah. No, I mean, um, initially he spoke about uh, the reception he got um, at the weekend uh, from the board and from the, uh, the supporters. Uh, and then he said, and, I, and then I saw the team and it was like a little wry smile on his face. And then he quickly went on and started talking positively about the group of players that he had. But clearly he'll have identified even in that, you know, sort of short period. I think he's seen the last four games. Yes. Um, he'll have seen areas that can be addressed straight away. Because, uh, you know, so clearly Everton are in the position they are on the table for a reason. And it's because, you know, the players and the squads isn't good enough. So, you know, that, that made me smile a little bit. But equally, when he was asked about Duncan Ferguson and working with him, um, he goes, yes, yes, well, all my previous clubs, you know, so I'm used to working with an assistant who's got knowledge of the football club. It was Makaleli at PSG. It was uh, Zidane at Real Madrid. It was Sanyol at Bayern Munich. I was thinking, wow, now we've got big Dunk at Everton. <laughs> so no pressure, Dunk, but there's, you know, so quite, you know, so big footsteps to fill, or big, big boots to fill. So that raised a smile as well. But no, it's, 
everything was like sort of measured and understated, as is his nature. Mm. You know, so he's not a manager who rants and raves. Uh, I think he quiet authority. What was it? Quiet leadership. The yes. last book he wrote, which you know he tries to you know sort of instill. But he commands respect because of what he's achieved in the game. And so, you know, what he was saying today was very, very well received, even though he was quite, you know, careful not to give too much away about anything, really. Yeah. Just speaking about the team and what he's seen in the last four matches and, of course, the last one in person, what do you think he will change for Burnley? Because didn't he hint today that, as it stands, he's not going to be making sweeping changes. I mean, obviously, there's there's the issue with an injury list that still won't go away, which would probably um, ties his hands behind his back a little bit. But he's obviously mindful of not just... He's too long in the tooth, as Prince says, come in and and just rip it up and start again, especially as Duncan's had a response. I think with the current situation right now, it's probably as ridiculous as it sounds too early to say, isn't it? Because... You know, what's the, it's the 23rd today. He has them in training for the first time. I was saying, has them in training, so probably about six of them have probably got injured <laughs> as we speak with the with the luck we've been having this season. But you, you just don't know who's available and what, what he's going to have to work with, do you? I'd probably say that the team that starts would probably be very, very similar to the team that started against Arsenal just through pure, mm. you know, lack of, lack of options. You know, maybe you could throw a Bernard in there. You could go back to one striker, but two strikers are seemingly... Got the best out of both Dominic Calvert Lewin and and Richarlison, so you know maybe he'll be minded to 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 stick with that. All, all respect to Burnley, you know who are obviously above us in the table, but it's a game we should win. But I'm finding it very difficult now to kind of to kind of see what what kind of changes he can make with the with the especially the midfield options that we've got. So it could just be a case of maybe Bernard in for for the injured Awobi, and 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 as you're saying there. These next few games, he might just not want to change too much until he gets the time to. You know, we might not see the best of Carlo Ancelotti's Everton in, in a smaller kind of sense until, until maybe the winter break when he really gets a chance to work with them and a, and a few of his new players in and a, and a few players back. But now that he's here, it will be really interesting to to see how he deals with it. You know, Duncan showed himself to be quite flexible, didn't he? Tactically, mm-hmm. in in the end, and he wasn't scared to a take a risk like playing Mason Holgate centre mid in a two at Old Trafford and he wasn't scared to be ruthless either and subbing two subs out of four mm-hmm. games is is obviously one that I'm sure Carl will, will want to avoid things like that for the time being but you know he, he's walking into what Marco and Duncan have both had which is having your hands tied behind your back in terms of team selection you'll want to have a good look won't he I mean <coughs> uh, very very difficult to do that at this time of year because the games come so thick and fast you know so he's not really going to be able to see them on the training pitch but you'll see them in action you know so on the football pitch and sometimes there's always one player that catches a manager by surprise a little bit uh, I think Leon Osman was the guy that Roberto Martinez said he was surprised by uh, obviously you've seen him play against your team uh, in the Premier League but when you actually work with them on a daily basis and you realise oh they're actually better than you think they are and so maybe there's one or two players at the squad in the squad now that will you know catch Ancelotti's eye and make him think that, well I didn't quite expect that from him I mean the evidence of you know so first hand seeing the game on Saturday I saw him shaking his head a couple of times which was quite interesting to see uh, what he was like, witnessing Jibril Sadibi probably had his best game for the club I thought he was outstanding on Saturday so he's done his you know so hard, you know his cause no harm Yerry Mina had a very solid game mm-hmm. as well uh, equally a couple of other players were a little bit quiet so you know they've got you know so stuff to prove obviously when a new manager comes in you start you know sort of devouring everything you possibly can that you didn't previously know about him and I've seen lots of uh, sound bites and things written about um 
uh, Ancelotti and some of his reflections on uh, his managerial style. And he always talks about um, anybody can organise a team to be to be rigid and to be difficult and be, you know, be organised. And, you know, he will do that straight away. He goes, but where it matters most is in the final third of the pitch where you need a little bit of magic, where you need somebody to do something from nothing uh, to, you know, create goals. Now, who have we got in the squad at the moment that can do that? Probably... Richarlison's possibly capable of doing it. Sigurdsson is, but if he's played in a position of the pitch like that, other than that, we haven't really got that many players that bit of magic. Bernard, maybe. Uh, but, you know, th- those kind of players aren't necessarily available to him at the moment. So it'll be quite interesting to see how he tries to resolve that, you know, so in the first, you know, so a couple of games. Uh, he'll have a look, though. He'll just, you know, stick with what he's got for the time being and allow the players to sell themselves to him. And hopefully they'll do that on Boxing Day. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast. Well, obviously, um, just on that, Preno, and, and, and the need for him to have another another good look at the players is that um, Duncan had planned to give the players today off, but yeah. I think Carlo changed that after the game on Saturday and said, yeah. "Look, I want you in Monday afternoon because we need to train and we need to we need to get down to hundred percent, get, get yeah. down to this." But um, in terms of of um, we, we spoke on previous pods at quite a lot of length about trying to understand where Carlo was coming at this job from his point of view because his, his track record of huge success had been at clubs with big resource, yeah. um, you know, star names. And obviously that's not where we are. But were you heartened, both of you, to hear him actually refer to <coughs> jobs before he, he sort of was catapulted into this... Totally, star, yeah. Star, I mean... It, 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 PSG, a bit more of a modern one, but Palmer, yeah. where he worked with a lot of young Absolutely. players and stuff. Yeah, it irritated me, uh, this like slightly condescending nature that uh, you know, so some commentators had that Everson wouldn't be a good fit for Carlo Ancelotti because he's only good at coming into already successful football, football clubs and tweaking them. Absolute nonsense. You know, he's, he's been a good manager at clubs like Reggiana and Palmer and established a reputation, which is why he got those big jobs in the first place. And you don't just make tweaks at a football club to win Champions Leagues and win World Club Cups. You've got to be a good coach, bottom line. You've got to change the team. You've got to bring players in who are going to fit the system. And he will do that. I get the impression that he's quite excited at the prospect of a project. And four and a half year contract is considerable. Uh, prospect of a new stadium, you know, so on the horizon as well. I think that's all, you know, so quite excited him. And maybe he wants to be seen as not just this manager that can come in and, you know, sort of tweak things and win the big prizes, but somebody that can restore a football club, you know, sort of from the bottom down. You know, maybe he sees that. Um, he spoke a lot today about uh, tradition, history, um, you, know, we, we, you know, family values. When he spoke at the game on Saturday, he talked about, uh, you know, sort of the family values of the football club. And I like that as well because, you know, we've always, like, been mocked in the past at Everton about, you know, so you've only got history, you know, so you're always harking on to the past because you haven't got a presence. But that history is something that attracted him to the football club in the first place. This is a football club of substance and of luster and of, you know, sort of standing. And, you know, it's not just, you know, sort of a middling football club with a, a bit of dough behind them now. It's got a bit of prestige and a bit of reputation. I think that attracted him as well. And if he can be the manager to restore a bit of that reputation, imagine, you know, so his standing in European football, it's going to be enhanced even more. Well, well he has previously spoken about the jobs that he's taken on and said that, he values that family feel. I think he said he had it at Milan. But said when he took the Juventus job, he found Juventus to be more of an organisation. Yeah, um, yeah. But but again, it, it was it, don't want to you know sort of tell tales out of school here. But obviously, I was party to Carlos saying a few words uh, on Saturday before the game. 
And um, he was introduced uh, by the chairman and the chairman spoke, you know, so quite glowingly about how the negotiations had gone with him uh, and his people and, you know, so how classily everybody conducted themselves and made the point of saying, look, this is a family, you know, so this football club is, is a family. And I know some people roll their eyes when they hear that and think, oh, well, we need to be more ruthless and more businesslike. But having that family feel is important and it attracts people to you and it makes you feel like you belong to something special. And I got the impression that that's what Carlo Ancelotti admired the most. He, he quite enjoyed that. Like you say about Milan, you got that same kind of feeling at Everton as well. And so as he said that's why he was so thrilled, you know, sort of to join the football club, why he felt so comfortable. Obviously, cynics will point and say that, yeah, you know, so a huge salary as well is also going to play a part. So of course it does, as will, you know, the opportunity to bring in players that he wants to bring in. You know, so Farhad Mashiri, as he has done with every manager so far, will back him quite considerably. Uh, but having a manager who's got a proven track record of success means you're likely to back him even more enthusiastically because you know he's got a record of, you know, so prove, you know, getting things right rather than getting things wrong. So, yeah, I think he was, he was attracted by that, uh, by the fact that, you know, so Everson does have this family feel rather than a business, if you like. Sam, which, which play do you think, again, we, we, we've, you know, we've got a million questions we'd like to, like to ask Carlo. Obviously, we had limited time today, so didn't necessarily get the chance to ask him this one. But which player do you think he's most looking forward to working with? Do you think because he mentioned him, oh, well, sorry, he didn't mention him, he was asked about him but spoke quite a lot about him, you think think Moyes Keane is somebody Carlo is quite keen to to get to grips with? Somebody you he tried to sign for Napoli last season, you revealed. Well, yeah, that was a, it. Was a bit of a big reveal, wasn't it? That he, he tried to sign them for Napoli, so he he is the the obvious one straight away, and someone that he's going to know a lot about. And you know, for Moyes Keane, it's the perfect appointment, really, isn't it? You know, things haven't quite gone to plan. You know, it was such an exciting day in the summer when he joined, and it just felt like such a big transfer we'd pulled off, and. And for whatever reason, you know, I remember those early few games, I think Watford and uh, Wolves and when he was coming off the bench and he just narrowly missed chances and he, he hit the post against Lincoln. And I just kind of feel like maybe if he'd have got off the mark earlier, things could have, could have been a little bit different because I think he's been almost trying too hard at times. I think he was trying too hard again on the weekend. So I think Ancelotti is, is the perfect man for Moise Keane. And I almost kind of think... He, he could look to build a team around Moise Keane and Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin. I think they're, they're an ideal front three. They're a, they're a fluid front three. And if you, if you can get a tune out of all of them, um, you wouldn't be in a bad place. But I, th- I think a few players are going to surprise are going to surprise him. I think it'll be interesting to see when he makes a Calvert-Lewin, who I think is probably in the best form of his Everton career so far. The same for Richarlison as well, who I think is now Everton's most consistent player. And then you know we, we've got to think about like players who, who've played, you know, at bit at, you know elite clubs maybe you, you could call them. You know when Andre Gomez is back, and I think Ancelotti left PSG in the summer of 2013, and, and Dean joined two months later. So you know Dean has obviously been been in a similar situation. So it'll be interesting to see how how they respond to a new manager. But at the end of the day, it's still a, a team and a squad packed full of internationals, isn't it? So I don't see any reason why he's not looking forward to working with all of them improving all of them. I think the only difference now is, you know, it seemed like Silver and Brands were kind of building something and, and slowly getting rid of players while while bringing them in and, and, and maybe trying to do it on a bit more of a of a balanced budget. But I can't see Carlo Ancelotti concerning himself too much with the futures of Yannick Balassi and Luke Garbutt and Cuco Martinez. He's, he's going to be... Well, he will, he will still need to know that, that 
wages of, of players who are not going to feature are, uh, are taken off the bill as soon as possible because that frees up money for him to bring in players he wants. Well, yeah, I suppose, I suppose so, but I, th- I think it's going to be maybe a bit more liberal. So I, I, I don't know. It's it's one of them, isn't it? I just think it's more... Um, yeah, I, I can just see him kind of working with that with that main squad and, and, and bringing players in, but... You know, maybe there will be one, a couple who surprise us as well. You know, it, it probably is time now for a couple to to step up to the plate. There's probably six or seven lads in that team right now who would who would probably admit that they they haven't been at the best this season. You know, so if if you can't play for Everton, you know, when you when you're wearing that Everton badge and and, and you're looking to the dugout and see Carlo Ancelotti and, and Duncan Ferguson looking back at you, then you're probably never gonna do your best, are you? So it's gonna be a really interesting kind of. You know, I think everyone's going to get three, four, five matches, but after that, it's going to be interesting to see who performs for Ancelotti in the long run because you know you you probably are now playing for your for your Everton future. I, I hope you're right about Moyes Keane. I mean, that was if anyone's going to surprise us, I think he could be the one because he concerns me. I mean, uh, I've seen absolutely nothing since that Wolves introduction to suggest that there's a you know an exciting young player in the making here. He can't run with the ball. He gets the ball stuck under his feet. He struggles to hold it up. Um, the last few games, I'm thinking, what have we got here? Have we got somebody that actually can actually develop into the player that we hoped he might be? So hearing Ancelotti say that he tried to sign him was quite reassuring. It was like, well, maybe there is a player in there that we haven't seen yet. Uh, maybe he is trying too hard because we haven't seen anything yet. You know, so genuinely haven't seen any qualities that I thought, well, great, OK, you know, we can work on that. If anyone's going to get a tune out of him, it's a manager that knows him well already. So hopefully he could be the one that surprises us. Well, our understanding, um, whilst you know, for a few weeks ago, was that looking into January, the prospect of, of signing players was was remote to slim, and would probably rely on getting rid of some <clears> to bring <throat> some in if, if if necessary. Do you think that that what's our hunch in terms of? Do you think that, that that situation would remain, or do you think that maybe to help kickstart a new manager's reign, Farhad? Might find a little bit of money to just, just maybe just improve the opportunities available to his new manager in I, January. I, I think he'll find more than a little bit of money. I think he's <laughs> going to, I think he's going to back him. You know, so as much as Carlo Ancelotti wants. Now, obviously, that has to be done within the constraints of financial fair play. Uh, but still, he will push the boat out as far as he possibly can uh, to try and bring in whoever Ancelotti wants. January, maybe that's a little bit too soon. Clearly, there are deficiencies in the squad straight away, which is why I was in a link with Ibrahimovic, because you know, they still haven't replaced Romelu Lukaku. How many times have we said that in this room? Uh, and you know, he's a sort of... Obviously, it would be expensive wages-wise, but you know, there probably wouldn't be a transfer fee attached. So you know, that could be a short-term fix, although he was quite... You know, so laid back, joked about that prospect, about you know, told about how close he was today with Ibrahimovic, you know, so how well they got on and how we'll give him a buzz and see if he wants to come to Liverpool. Everybody's mouths drop around the room, but not to play football, just to enjoy the city. <laughs> so, you know, clearly, I think we'll be looking at Ibrahimovic as a possible, you know, so sort of January stopgap that might fit that bill without breaking the transfer budgets as such. But I think, you know, if players are available that he wants, I think Mashiri will, will back him to the hills. Sam, um, just before we finish, speaking of Mashiri, whilst we were at the press conference and after Carlo had done his top table and was doing various other breakout interviews, um, different medias, um, an interview with, with our majority shareholder appeared on TalkSport. Um, just for people who haven't seen seen it or heard it, can you give us an idea of, uh, of what Farhad was speaking about? Yeah, he obviously, as we mentioned before, kind of made the point that I think a lot of Everton fans have been making, you know, the... the 
there's been such a heavy investment in the playing staff. You know, Farha kind of said it was time to make that heavy investment in the um, in in the manager yeah. in, in the manager as well in, in Carlo Ancelotti, and, and kind of spoke about Marco Silva and said you know he thinks he, he is a good coach, but didn't really know to kind of harness the power of uh, of Goodison and, and, and kind of made a few a few remarks about the fans being being pretty fast to to turn. He said that it only takes two games for them to kind of turn the backs on you, which is pretty strong words from from Farhad and, and, and quite interesting as well. It's probably difficult because he obviously doesn't get himself to to every game, but still, you know, almost a kind of it's not a, it's not a warning, is it? But it, it you know, Ancelotti will do well to, and I'm sure Dunk will be telling them this, but. You know, first things first from that Burnley game, get the crowd on side, win your battles, win your tackles, get the ball forward quickly if it has to, and, you know, really make Goodison a fortress again, you know, because the, the atmosphere in, in the kind of dying embers of Marco, it was quite quite toxic, wasn't it? So it'll be interesting now, you know, how Farhad also said the the four matches with Dunk as the manager has been his favourite time mm-hmm. in almost four years at the club, and I think, you know, for Farhad... He's just been made up to kind of see Duncan interacting with the fans. He he knows how to get the fans going, running up and down the touchline, celebrating. And you kind of get the impression, Machidi, well, Machidi has certainly never seen that at, at Everton before. And, you know, I don't think Carlo Ancelotti is going to be swinging ball boys around in the air too, <laughs> too soon. But, you know, it, it kind of is interesting to see the value he placed on, on Duncan there and, and the kind of excitement he got from that and, and hoping that he's laid the foundations for a successful start from Ancelotti and you know he's got to be licking his his lips at the next two fixtures Burnley and Newcastle because you know they are two fixtures that Everton could get six points from if 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 they play at the top level but you know it's it's always interesting when Machidi speaks isn't it because we don't hear too much from him and you know probably when you take a little step back maybe a little bit harsh the the comments about the fans but certainly makes sense to me you know what why in a, in an era where we've spent 25 million on Davy Klassen and Yannick Balassi and we've paid Sandro Ramirez sixty, seventy thousand pounds a week for the last three years. Why wouldn't we go out and, and splash the cash on a manager who's won three European Cups? It makes total sense. I thought it was quite interesting. You were talking about the atmosphere there because <coughs> um, he was captured, obviously, uh, Carlo Ancelotti uh, by you know video uh, uttering "Wow!" You know, yeah. so as you know, the siren was uh, going out and the players are coming out. And I thought it was a was a fairly standard, you know, so good as some reception yeah, that yeah. one. It wasn't like absolutely bouncing. You until he gets the bear pit. Exactly, you know, so we'll wait until the fans are really up for yeah. it, as hopefully they will be on Boxing Day. Oh, yeah, and then he'll see what Goodison's really all about because that, that was a, a fairly tame introduction, I thought. Well, wonderfully segued into the very, very last part of today's podcast. That's predictions time. There is a game to preview and predict. Um, Everton versus Burnley on Boxing Day. Preno, what's your score prediction? Oh, Burnley are really, really stubborn and you know sort of frustrating team to play against but we've done okay to against them in the last few years you know obviously won comfortably at Turf Moor last year and was it a 2-0 the Goodison game uh, I want to get really carried away and you know so I'll go for like a, a 3-0 home win but Burnley don't let you do that you know so they do work so hard at closing you down but I just think the, the new manager factor the crowd you know so the players giving that little bit of extra edge I'm going to go 2-0 home win Sam prediction? Everton are back, 4-1. <laughs> Beat them 5 on a turf more last year, didn't we? So It's 4-1 the, 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 the scoreline to say that the team's back. Yeah, yeah statement. statement. You know, and you know what, we haven't we haven't battered anyone at Goodison since Man United at the end of last season, so I think it's just time. Carlos Blues, Moise Keane gets his first goal. 
Oh, that'd be nice. Two for Dom. <laughs> yeah, they mean a letter. Bang. Anyone wants to put that on? Well, there you go. There we go. Take that. Uh, I think two one. I think we'll do enough. But as you say, Pro, I think you're right about Burnley. They don't give you. They don't give you a great deal, do they? But I think uh, I think the team will have enough, and uh, I think that momentum, albeit slightly slowed on Saturday, I think the momentum will pick back up again for a uh, a big Boxing Day victory. Uh, chaps, thank you very much for your company, uh, and thank you for listening. And uh, from everybody at the Royal Blue Podcast, uh, Merry Christmas. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.